Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And here we are on Ayers on the Road. Um, we have been on the road a lot this week, but in, in <laughs> Linda, the snow you always, in Park City. You, you, you always feel like you have to tie the beginning of the show to the, the name of the show. Well, of course. And be on the road, right? That's good. I like that. That's well, very good. Anyway, we've been on the roads usually between Salt Lake City and Park City this week, and we have got so much snow out here. It's amazing. We are running around trying to help parents wherever we can in the world and trying to help ourselves in various ways. And we have got, boy, oh boy, do we have a show for you today. <laughs> the name of today's show is how, what is the actual name? <laughs> Keeping Romance Alive, right? And all of us who are married and many who are not married uh, but have a relationship, boy, is there one thing we want, and that's to keep that romance alive. And so we're going to talk, we're going to start off very personally today because um, we had quite a romantic experience last night. And then once we've exhausted that, we're going to try to define what is romance really and how do you, how do you, understand it and how do you preserve it and how do you enhance it and how do you elevate it and so on so if you're listening be prepared for a kind of a, 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 a do you think it's going to be cheesy and syrupy linda the show on romance <laughs> i don't I, know but you need to know as listeners that i am married to an undying romantic i do take i do accept that title yes and, and i'm <laughs> sure a lot of you wives out there either can identify or wish you had little more romance in or your maybe life. you wish you had less kind of like or you or less i don't know <laughs> but let's just say kind of in preface that uh, this is an important subject because love is what the make, makes the world go around but you know i mean we're we're great fans of the old adage that says if you love them tell them and love is not really love until it's expressed and until it's felt by another person and families that sort of run on love and that have an abundance of it seem to get through problems and handle situations much better than those where the love is a little more buried and a little harder to find, a little harder to, to feel. Well, you know, this is not really Valentine's Day, but it's close to Valentine's Day where we are. And it is really amazing that uh, we are carrying this through for another while because romance lasts forever. So here's what happened to us last night, and this will give you people who have imagined in your own minds that we are a nice young couple, this will, <laughs> this will burst your bubble. <laughs> Yesterday was the 50th anniversary of our engagement, and I guess I have to go back 50 years and tell you that 50 years ago we climbed the tower of Old Main Hall at Utah State University in Logan, Utah, a beautiful tower, almost like a castle tower that goes way up and then has a pointed roof on which is a big A, which is the symbol of the university, and outside right below that big A, high in this tower, is a little balcony. And 50 years ago, um, I was determined 
to do something dramatic enough that Linda would have to say yes. And so <laughs> I'll spare you the details, but I worked out an arrangement that involved bribery. Well, it didn't involve bribery really, but with a little night watchman who we synchronized our watches and, and he let me into this tower, this little creaky staircase. And uh, uh, I took Linda there at the appointed time and the door was open and we went up there and it was snowing. It was a beautiful snowy night, high above the world. I got on one knee and I gave Linda and I slipped in a ring on, on Linda's finger and then she put me through utter agony for 10 minutes before she finally said yes. Well, the funny part of this is that he was pretty brave. This was a totally a surprise to me. We had never talked about marriage. We well, had dating not for in a long specific time. Terms, yeah. But um, I was pretty mad at him for surprising me. And um, you were happy and mad at the same time. I was okay, <laughs> and so I. That's uh, my interpretation. I had to think about this for a while. Though my whole life passed before me, and, and actually, it was a pretty amazing, startling stunning romantic experience and so last night being exactly 50 years since and still being in the mode of surprising and wanting to do something at least equally romantic um, i had done a little pre-arranging and so we uh, got in the car and we drove up to logan and we um, we went up that tower again now a lot has changed in 50 years. For one thing, there was a big fire there in that old main building and the tower had been completely condemned and there was no longer any possibility of actually getting all the way up to the balcony. In fact, the balcony itself doesn't exist anymore. It's just a facade. But I, I talked to the office of the president of the university and I tried to pull strings and I tried to wield all the influence I could. I said, look, we're, we're, we're celebrated alumni. We donate money to this institution. Uh, Linda was on the board of this institution. You've got to think of some way to get us back up in that tower. And the president of the university, their office said, I'm sorry, it's just, you'll just have to talk to the office of risk management. So I ended up talking, I didn't even know there was such a thing. I ended up talking to this head of risk management and uh, <laughs> he said, look, the only way you can get up there is to climb these weird little metal rungs of a ladder that sort of goes winding up. It's terribly dangerous. I don't think anyone, even an athlete in their 20s, could never climb up this thing. And so I don't know what to do. I don't know how we'd get you up there, even if I wanted to. But he said, guess what? In the remodel, you can now get almost halfway up the tower and it's a beautiful view and it'll be warm. You won't be out in the snow like you were 50 years ago. So we did, we went up there and oh my goodness, we climbed up there and I had done a little work and had reset Linda's engagement ring and added a couple of other rings to it. And I just can't describe it, Linda. It was so romantic. It just brings <laughs> tears to my eyes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> now you know what I mean, that I'm married to a dyed-in-the-wool romantic, which is so nice. We did have so much fun and it was so reminiscent to go back up those stairs again. 
50 years later, that's a long time, honey. That's five decades. Oh, wow. That's a very long time. And, but, yet, and yet we're still young at heart. <laughs> that's the important thing. Well, we were just having breakfast with some friends and we were talking about, um, they were talking about their anniversary because they'd recently had one too. He said, oh, I just said to my wife, come on, we're going down to get you a ring. She's like, I don't even know if I want another ring. No, get in the car. We're going to get a ring. And uh, she's, he, he was laughing because he's the most unromantic person uh, he, at, as his, at his own admission. But it really was um, funny. But, you know, there's something magical about romance. There really is. Well, and there's something functional about it, too, because it's the glue that can kind of hold a marriage together and can kind of hold a family together. I just want you to think as a listener today, whether you're on listening on a podcast or listening to a live BYU radio broadcast, think about romance. Is the first thought that comes to your mind that that's an old-fashioned word? Does that sort of bring to your mind, um, you know, romantic movies, old movies, or... Broadway shows, My Fair Lady, or some romantic show. And does romance have a part in a modern world, in today's world, where we do things quickly and online, and we're trying to save time, and we're trying to be efficient, and so on? Is there still a place for romance? Well, I would say, yeah, I know you would say, of <laughs> course, of course there is. And sometimes I think we, as women, get so involved in taking care of everything that has to be done and being kind of overwhelmed all the time that we need to stop and take time to think about romance and to tell our spouses that we really love them and that we appreciate the things that they do. We just don't do it enough. We take them for granted a little bit. Sorry, honey, but I really do. You don't take me for granted. Honestly, I, <laughs> I have to tell you this. He gives me a compliment every single day, which is not on purpose. Not on purpose. No, it's just if it say. occurs to me, if I notice something, <laughs> I like to mention it. I you don't know. know. You came wired like that, I think. But no, um, it's just that you're a you're a, you're a good object <laughs> for romantic thoughts. You can't help it. You're just beautiful, and you know, I just want to shower you with affection <laughs> well it's a natural impulse but um think of those poor women out there who've never you know like alf and anna. well well here oh alf and anna oh yeah what's that tell that that's a quite a saying uh well you know this sweet little wife from somewhere scandinavia the said, old country alf you never tell me you love me anymore and he said anna i told you i loved you in the day we were married and if anything ever changes i'll You'll be the first to know. <laughs> You'll be the first to know. So you don't want to be that way. And I can tell you, romance is not always spontaneous. It can be sort of deliberate. For example, I've told this on the show before. It's been a long time, though. We were, we were in a church meeting once in Boston when we lived there, and the leader of that congregation... I'll just tell you who it was. Some of you will recognize this name. Some won't. But it was a man named L. Tom Perry, who was our ecclesiastical leader at that time in, in the church where we attended. And he got up in a big meeting, and he said, I'd like to invite all of you men in the audience to join me in a solemn pledge. And that is that you will take your wife out on a date once a week. I would suggest Friday night. 
How many will join me in that pledge? And he held his hand up, big tall guy. And he didn't budge until every man in that congregation got their hand up. The ones that didn't put it up right away finally got shamed into it because no one was saying anything and everyone was looking around to see who didn't have their hand up yet. And they finally <laughs> all put their hand up. Now you may say, wow, that's kind of forcing the issue, isn't it? But he made an interesting promise that day. I still remember it. He said, if you will, if you couples will go out on a date, I mean a real date. I mean, like back when you were young, I mean, like courtship. If you'll do that once a week, it'll make a big difference in your family. Your kids will feel it. Your house will feel it. Your whole life will benefit from that little touch of romance every week. And he said, make it romantic, surprise each other, go to nice places, have some flowers, do different things. And I think some people were a little begrudged about that, but, uh, I think it's a pretty powerful suggestion. Well, it was really, he's such a great man and he has followed his own advice. Um, he's gone now, but um, it really is such good advice to keep track of each other. I mean, I'm sorry, but I remember when we had our ninth baby, um, <laughs> just admitting to you when we were home that first week. When we're not going on a date this week. We are not going <laughs> on a date, not only that, but but you know what? Now we have nine kids. I can't have 10 kids. So you got to take care of yourself. So we're going to finish that story and give you some more in the second we're half. We're going to stay with us through this little break and we're going to dissect the word romance. What does it really mean? How do we get more of it? We'll be right back after this short break. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. And we're back today talking about romance. Um, we, I ended with a story about telling Richard that I couldn't take care of him as well as, the ch as all the children, <laughs> but that's a mistake. I mean, you really do have, no matter what, I mean, there are times when there is less time you can devote to your spouse and Sometimes you get in that bad habit and you don't go back to taking care of them when you can. Well, and taking care is one thing, but I think what you're saying too, Linda, is you have to, as you get busy and as you have kids in your home and so on, you have to actually plan for romance. You have to designate some time. You can't just say, well, I'll try to be romantic when I have time because you're never going to have time. So, you know, whether it's a weekly date or whether it's, uh, just a note to yourself to, to, to do something romantic or to leave a poem or to bring a flower or something. And, and a lot of you are thinking, oh my gosh, that's so old fashioned. But if that's old fashioned, then I'm all for it because we need more romance in the world. Now think about when, when you stop for a minute to think about um, an old romantic movie or, you know, something that made you really sort of feel a little bit warm and tingly or, a, or an old Broadway show or something. What is it about some of those things that we sort of long for and we're sort of thinking oh, our world has sort of gone beyond that? How do we bring that back? How do we get back to a point where we really, really feel that love and that romance? And and again, this may sound funny because 
we'd like to think of romance as being very spontaneous, and it should be in many ways, but sometimes it's a matter of planning it. Sometimes it's a matter of you, when you sit down to, to plan your week or to set goals for the month or whatever you do, how about taking a little time and simply asking the question, how do I show my spouse that I love her? How do I, what is her love language? What makes her feel cherished? What makes her feel that I'm, that I'm caring about? What makes her feel that she's the most important person in the world? And you think a little about that, you always get an answer. You always get an idea. The problem is we don't think about it enough. We just go day to day. We assume things, we take things for granted, and we don't take the time to figure out the best part of our lives. You know, I the love the five love languages has taken the world by storm, and you know he's pretty much right about that. I know there are some naysayers on it, but we do have to figure out what it is that our spouse loves. And uh, I know, for example, that you had two main ones. One of the main ones is words of affirmation, and I think everybody needs words of affirmation, but some that means a lot more to some to people some than others. others. Yeah, and. Um, I, you like your compliment every day that you give me. It just comes naturally to you. I, I have to think. <laughs> I have to stop. <laughs> well, let's face it. I'm a lot I harder really to compliment. No, that's than you not are. true. I just haven't <clears throat> spent enough time thinking about what uh, what do I really love about this person, and then telling him about it. Sometimes you think, oh man, that was so nice, but you don't say, that was so nice. You know, thank you so much for that. It made me feel so great. Um, so. I think probably a lot of it, as you were saying, is a mindset. Well, but Linda, let's be candid here, too. I remember you saying, I can't remember your exact words, but I think I'd written you a romantic poem or something, and you were much more interested in a kind of a different love language. Do you remember that and what you said to me? <laughs> had to do with this. Oh, yes. Had to oh, do with <laughs> absolutely. Once he said, you know what I think? what I think you need is for me to write you a poem every day. <laughs> and I said, honey, what I think I need is for you to help with the dishes. I mean, do the dishes, <laughs> see what needs to be done and do it. I would love that. I mean, it really is very different. I think you would die for a poem every day for me. Now, Linda actually told but, me, here's how I remember it. I remember you saying the most romantic thing you ever do is when you put on the apron and do the dishes that really makes me feel special <laughs> <laughs> yeah something to actually that i think you actually said that's really sexy but i <laughs> I, I i thought I really this that. apron oh my yeah. goodness <laughs> but you know it is there is a thing of doing it's not a matter i mean romance should not be relegated to something you say or some gesture it should ultimately have to do with recognizing and fulfilling the other person's needs, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, we are so different. You've probably never heard any two people talk who are um, more different, less different. than. Thank you. goodness. I I'm mean, because, sure glad you're not like me. And, and I think <laughs> most marriages are like that. You bring um, who you are to the marriage, but it just, uh, in some ways, it's helpful. It really is a, a good thing, I think. Uh, even though we spent the first... 25 years of our marriage, well, fighting a lot. <laughs> but you know, Linda, you can you can see romance. I mean, one of the one of the the best part 
was that I could tell you were really in love. I When that happens, I'm like, that just makes me feel so happy. Because love really is the message, and that's really the message in families. And talk for a minute, Linda, about the the kind of reassurance or the kind of, what, what does it do for your children when they see visibly and feel the love between their parents? You know, I think it's so huge. Um, and if this is getting too syrupy, you can listen next week. But yeah. <laughs> it really, uh, it's amazing. We have one, one of our couples is particularly good at that, one of our children uh, who are married. Uh, to someone else, and uh, it they really, really show their love. They really show their love. You know who I'm talking about, even yeah. though and I haven't, kids, haven't ever talked about this. And their kids notice it. And their kids know that they really love each other. And um, there's a security there. Well, they say things um, openly to each other, and uh, it really is fun. In fact, uh, when we write notes back and forth to my daughters and daughters-in-law. It, there's nothing more delightful than hearing, you know, I sure love your son or I surely love my spouse more than I could have ever imagined because this is what happened, you know. I, I think that it's good for the spouse to know, but also for those kids who are around all the time to know that you're really committed because we did spend a lot of time fighting. We also spent a lot of time making up and let, and making sure the kids knew the that, kids we, saw that, that we still love them. If you want to try a little experiment on that in your own home, if you've got young children, if you're, a, if you're a married couple and you've got children in the home, you want to prove this, sometime when they're all together at dinner or something, just do some sort of dramatic display of affection, dip you men dip your wife and kiss her, give her a big, long, romantic kiss, and watch the reaction of your children. It'll oh be predictable. Gosh. The little kids the will say, ew, ew, ew But then look a little deeper, and you'll see a kind of a little smile, a kind of a little sort of secure feeling uh, creeping over those children's face because... Kids tend to over-dramatize things, and you know there's studies that show when, when kids of a certain age see their parents fighting, they they think they're going to get a divorce. I mean, they, they, they things blow up fast in their mind. And, and on the positive side, when they see open displays of affection and romance, or when you're bold enough to say, "Hey, kids, sorry to leave you tonight, but mom and I are going on a date. We're going on a date. We're going to go. We're we're so in love, and we're going to go out together and." <laughs> and have a date, you know, and the kids, and I still remember one funny experience where we had this, the, the, one of our daughter's names is Shawnee, and she's a, she's a kind of a little romantic herself, and I remember one time distinctly, she was only about five or six years old, and, and I was just talking to her, and I said, Shawnee, I sure love you, your dad loves you so, so much, and she was kind of smiling and happy, and for some reason, I can't remember why I did this. I said, but Shani, there is someone I love just a little bit more than you. Oh, who, Daddy? And she was so sad. I said, it's your mom. I love your mom just a little bit even more than I love you. And she started to cry and act like she was jealous. But she came to me a little later. I still remember this and said, Daddy, I'm so glad you love Mom the most. And she just loved it. 
Maybe that's more true of little girls than little boys. Yeah, I, don't I, remember, I, don't. I don't remember any of our boys coming and saying that to me. And I can't imagine <clears throat> my dad in that generation saying, I just love your mom so much, I'm taking her on a date tonight. You know, it's, it's a kind of a new thing that we express our feelings in front of our kids. Um, but but it's, it is so important. For those of you who are single moms or divorced, who have lost your spouse, I'm sorry if this is kind of painful because there have been some bad experiences there, but we do have to say that it really is a, comp- a, a huge component in a happy marriage. Well, everyone's on their own level, and we're not saying you know that every person should suddenly transform themselves into some sort of a romantic new person. Everyone has their own way, and some people in a very quiet way have a powerful love between them. We're, we're just saying you usually don't make a mistake by having too little love or too little room or too, I mean, too much. You usually, there aren't many couples we've met who say, oh man, they're just too much in love. I don't think, <laughs> you know, but you can sure err to the other side. And, and it's just, you know what, the enemy is taking it for granted. I think that's what we're really saying, Linda, that when, when you start taking your spouse for granted and just not showing your love or appreciation, Alpha and Anna from the old country, that when that kind of attitude creeps in, you're kind of robbing yourself of a certain joy and you're kind of robbing your children of a certain kind of security. You know, I was wondering the other day because we obviously have been married a long time and uh, as we mentioned at the first, but I started thinking, I wonder how much my grandchildren and even our children now have seen me putting my arms around you or expressing love to you, just even with a, a little hug or a compliment or something. I mean, we got you got to think about that because I don't do that very often. You are so much better at that than I am, but I think it is important to calculate how much have I shown um, my kids and my grandkids how much I love my spouse. Just one more little thing before we run out of time that I wanted to mention: we're we've we're just we finished a book on marriage that's going to be released on our fiftieth wedding anniversary in July, and one of the chapters that bears mention here for just a minute is called The Romance of Restraint. And it it makes the point that in today's, one of the problems today in, in sort of our media and everything else is that things are out of order. You know, that remember the old nursery rhyme, first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes the baby and the baby carriage. But, but when your kids or even yourself go to today's sort of modern movies and the norm is jumping into bed on the first date and where the order is not that order when it's first come sex then may come love and may come marriage and may come children that sort of undermines romance and i hope that all of us in teaching our children will will teach them that part of romance is restraint and that's why the old movies where someone finally kisses or finally holds hands, there's an electricity about that, and it involves romance and restraint. Well, just like we happened to see uh, My Fair Lady. Yeah, the other night. (laughs) At Symphony Hall the other night. It was so wonderful, but you do realize that that is kind of an old-fashioned thing. But Let's bring it back. Let's bring it bring it back. So we're out of time. Thank you so much for being with us, and join us next time, please, on... Irish on the Road. Bye-bye.